Newsflash, let me tell you something that you already know. Whenever two people are having a relational dust-up, both of them are guilty to varying degrees. What I mean is, is there are, there are no innocent people within a relational conflict. Now, no question that one person will be more guilty than the other. One maybe initiated it, the other one didn't. Uh, maybe the other one just continued to perpetuate it, and the other one was trying to be a peacemaker. I mean, there's different variations to to all of this, but one thing is true. This is biblical common sense that I'm giving you here, is that in an ongoing relational conflict, I'm not talking about an episode. I'm talking about I'm talking about a pattern. I mean, an episode, someone can... Your wife can come and, and say something unkind, and, and, you, and you're just Jesus. You're just Jesus, you know, to your wife. Well, praise God, that happens all the time, and it should happen. Or a husband says the unkind word, and the wife is just Christ to him. That's an episode. But if, if there is a conflict that, that goes on for weeks and, and, and months, well, both of them— have contributed to where that marriage is, how it got to that point. Both of them have adversely contributed to getting to that point, and then both of them will contribute in the perpetuation of it because it's an ongoing, unresolvable conflict. Now, that's just basic biblical common sense. Now, again, one person can be more of a knucklehead than the other person, but both of them are operating in their Adamicness to to different levels and to different degrees. And everybody knows that. I think every Christian would would sign off on that. If two people came to you and and they're sharing a long-standing conflict that they've had with each other, as you continue to dialogue with them and diagnose what's been going on, you, you're, you're going to find that the guy got it right a lot of times, and, and the wife got it right also. But you're also going to find that the man and woman got it wrong a few times as well. And if you want to help them, I mean, honestly, if you want to help them to work through and to get to a hope-filled reconciliation, then you have to deal with what happened in a comprehensive way, not a one-sided way, as in, the guy is all guilty and the woman is all innocent, or the woman is all guilty and, and the guy is all innocent. And when you're doing biblical counseling, or if you've been doing it as long as I have, or as you can start doing it, what you're going to find is that when people present their case, where they're always going to put their best foot forward. And if you're not careful, if you're not operating with discernment, you, you would think that this person is just has not contributed in any adverse way to what is wrong in the marriage. And there then you're going to have an unbiblical inequitableness in what you're trying to resolve. Because basically, if you're coming at it from that angle, then this person is 100% innocent and the other person is 100% guilty. And that is not biblically possible in a long-standing feud or a long-standing conflict. Now again, if it's episodic, well that's a whole nother that's a whole nother story because we can be Jesus for a moment. We can be Jesus for ten minutes. 
but we're not going to be Jesus for 10 years, not perfectly. And so therefore, you want to be honest with the people that you are, are helping. If you don't, well, then you will complicate the problem. Both of them will have a problem, the marriage problem, and then you will pile on to that because you're not operating with courage, you're not operating with discernment, you're not seeing the problems with clarity. And unfortunately, when people come at what I'm addressing here, longstanding marriage uh, problems, people, people will hear, well, you're just blaming well, you're just blaming her for what went on with the marriage. No, if that's what you're hearing, then you're starting from a cynical position. You're starting from a victim's position. You're starting from a negative position, and you're not hearing biblically. You're not seeing biblically because the Bible would attest that there is no way that you can operate perfectly for 10 months or 10 years when you have ongoing, in this case, marriage problems. And so as a biblical counselor, you want to make sure that you don't swing the pendulum too far and you over you overreact. And we, we've, we have done that. We're doing that within biblical counseling. I'm not talking about counseling that's going on with the world. There's so many other problems with with how the world counsels people. And so I'm just speaking to us, my people, our people, disciple makers, Christians, biblical counselors. And one of the things that I have seen over the last few years within biblical counseling specifically is the accent mark has shifted from the center of using biblical discernment, and it's shifted to the far left to where we are overly blaming men for the problems that are in marriages. Now, some of you will listen to this and you say, well, if you were in my marriage, well, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I am speaking about a trend within a worldview, a perspective that is within the biblical counseling movement. I'm not speaking to your unique situation. Because a woman could respond to what I'm saying right now and say, well, my husband is abusive and I just Double dog dare you to blame me for what he's been doing in our marriage. Well, I could also give you the emails to five men who would say that their wives are abusive as well. And so what I want you to do in this podcast is I want you to separate yourself from your unique story and don't map your unique story over what I am saying because we do that too much. And if you do that, then you're not going to see this as clearly as we need to see it. I am saying collectively the accent mark has shifted too far to one side to where there are too many people just automatically out of hand or, or blaming men. And you see this in their books. You hear it in their podcast. You see it at their speaking events where they, they talk and, and they will say, well, men are, they write books like this, that books are, instead of talking honestly that both men and women can be abusive in a relationship, you read a book and, and unfortunately it just incentivizes women. I mean, it incentivizes them in their 
victimization because they, they read it from that angle because the, the writers and the speakers and the counselors aren't being honest that this can go both ways. And so I'm not blaming the man or the woman. I am just saying that when you look at it, look at a marriage situation, you have to look at it comprehensively comprehensively and honestly, and if you come in with a presupposition that says there's an automatic inequitableness in this problem, and you don't even know what the problem is because you haven't you haven't collected all the data and you haven't discerned the, the granular issues of the problem, if you come at it with a stilted presupposition, there's no way that you can help. And so what I am speaking to here is that there is a problem within biblical counseling of over-blaming men for relationship problems. This is episode 279, and that is the title of the episode, The Problem with Overly Blaming Men for Relationship Problems. If you would like to talk to me and our team about this, or maybe you have something else on your mind, I would love for you to do that. We have a free community forum that's open to anybody in the world. We are a a 24-7, 365-day-a-year shop. Uh, I set up this ministry in 2008 with that intent that we never close. Therefore, our big box store is in cyberspace. We have millions of words through articles podcast, videos, graphics, and interactive forums, and you can help yourself. It is underwritten by those who love what we do, and they do have the ability to support us at some level. And so I I thank God for them every single day, because it's not lost on me that we could not give this stuff away freely if somebody was not paying for it. And so thank you, all of our supporters. But if you do want to talk about this or maybe something else, you're welcome to do that. We're accessible. And so please come and and, and share if you wish, and we will try to direct you as, as best we can. Episode 279, I'm speaking to a, a global issue The problem with overly blaming men for relationship problems. Now, there are a few reasons that this happens. I don't know all of them, but I do know I'll give you at least four. One of them is people overreact. When a counselor or Christian or friend or pastor or disciple maker, when they they hear one side of the story, they overreact by immersing themselves inside the story. And what they don't do is they don't take a step back. This is like critical. This is counseling 101. And even though it's basic counseling advice, it's harder to practice because when you hear the story, I've talked to Lucia for years and I I said, Lucia, you can't do the jaw drop when you hear a story, when somebody walks up to you and they, they share a story, you can't do the jaw drop. You have to, you have to listen. And, and what I'm saying is you, you can't overreact. But unfortunately, some people who find themselves in situations where the counseling is complex, like a longstanding marriage problem, and they hear one side of the story, which is usually how most stories come to us. 
I mean, I would say 99.999% of the people who come to our forums is it's one person coming with a relationship problem, but they're only sharing their side of the story. And one of the things that we cannot do is we cannot overreact by immersing ourselves inside of the story. Because once you immerse yourself inside of the story, you can't see the story clearly. There is a difference between standing on a dock and looking out over a lake and jumping down in the lake below the water and opening your eyes. And so when someone comes, you have to make sure that you are looking at it from a macro perspective, a global perspective. And what that will do is that will position you to bring more thoughtful help. And so one of the reasons that we could swing to one side or the other rather than maintaining the centric position of listening with clarity so that we can help comprehensively is that we overreact. Another problem is it's just a lack of discernment. Now, this this can really get tricky because what will happen when two people share or talk about the same event or the same story, they're going to tell it differently. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in one sense because it's two different people. And so there's no way that two people can tell one story identically because it's two different unique people. And so that's normal. That's natural. That's okay. And in a vacuum, there doesn't have to be anything wrong with that. But when they are talking about themselves and they're talking about an argument that they had, well, they're going to tell it with a slanted perspective. And nine times out of 10, the person telling the story is going to put their best foot forward. And so if you don't have discernment to be able to sniff out what truth is, I'm talking about Solomon-level discernment where two women are talking about a baby, and you got to figure it out. Now, discernment is a gift. And when you get into complex counseling issues, maybe you shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be the person doing the counseling in this situation because, one, discernment is a gift from God, and everybody doesn't have a level of discernment to counsel situations like this. All counseling cases are not equal and neither are all counselors. And so if you don't have the discernment to do it, well, then what you want to do is gracefully back out of the situation because you'll only muck it up and and try to find them some help from an individual who actually has the God-given skill set to be able to help at this level that is required. And so one of the reasons that we can shift right or left and over-blame in this case, I'm talking about overblaming men, is that we can immerse ourselves in the story and overreact. Number two, we can have a lack of discernment where we're hearing two different stories about a singular event and we just can't sniff out the truth. And then a third issue, and this is a definite complication, is that we have people who have a certificate on their wall that says they are certified biblical counselors, but they do not have the gifting to do that. If you go to a certified biblical counselor, well, all that says is they have gone through a specific, a, a specific 
amount of training. But it does not say and it does not mean that they have the gifting to be able to counsel you or they have the gifting to be able to counsel at this level. There is no training in the world, none. There is no training in the world that will make an individual competent enough to be able to counsel at this level because that's not how it happens. Training is just part of how it happens. And so that certification on the wall, it, 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 it could amount to a hill of beans, meaning it could mean very little if they don't have the other prerequisites to be a counselor at this level. And one of those prerequisites, in addition to training, is God giving you the gifting to do it. I already talked about that with discernment. I mean, for example, you're not going to get discernment by going through training. I mean, you'll learn some things. You'll gain knowledge. But discernment works in the moment. Discernment is pneumatic. It is spirit-led, spirit-illuminated, spirit-given, meaning it is a gift from God. And so you can have a wide breadth of knowledge, but if you can't step into a counseling situation and bring the right knowledge to bear at the right moment to the right person, that is discernment, and the Spirit of God gives you that. And so one aspect is the training. Another aspect is gifting from God. And then a third aspect is repetition. It takes a competent biblical counselor anywhere from five to ten years of doing it on a daily, weekly basis to get up to the skill level to where they can counsel these complex cases. And so what they do is they receive the ongoing training. Perhaps God has given them the gifting to to do it, but Without the repetition, they're not going to be good at it. You know, baseball works the same way. You can have the gifting to be a major league baseball player, and you can go through little league, and you can go through single A, uh, but you're going to need more repetition before they call you up to the bigs. And biblical counseling is very similar. And so it takes five to ten years of constant repetition in addition to the training that you have, in addition to God giving you the gifting to be able to counsel. One of the problems and one of the reasons that we do this ineffective counseling, and in this context of this podcast, I'm talking about shifting to where we're just blaming men out of hand and women are all uh, innocent in this marriage situation is because, well, we're just not good at doing counseling. And so there's overreaction, there's a lack of discernment, there's a lack of competency. And then the fourth one is courage or the lack of courage. It may surprise you. I don't know. But fear is a big issue. Our mastermind students struggle with this regularly. All of them struggle to varying degrees, some more than others, just afraid to speak honest to another person. Uh, One of the things that I do in our training is I am always looking out for this courage that our students have, and some have it, some don't, some are growing into it, but I know that it is a thing because it's a part of our Adamic package, and when it comes to sitting across from someone where you need to speak the truth, I'm not talking about being harsh, I'm I'm not talking about being unkind, 
but you're afraid to say what you are thinking, and rather than leading the person who is in front of you, you succumb to them, and they lead you, even though you know what they are saying does not square with the truth of God's Word. Courage is a huge deal when it comes to this kind of counseling. This is episode 279. The title of it is The Problem with overly blaming men for relationship problems. I've given you four reasons as to why this can happen, an overreacting counselor, one with a lack of discernment, one with a lack of gifting, one with a lack of courage. Now, we have definitely shifted uh, over the the last several decades to where men were— uh, abusive and women were victims and and then we started dealing with that and we're calling out these these men and, and we're helping these women and that's good that is fantastic that's what we want to do but for some reason we've shifted too far as I've been saying to where some people even though they may not say it out loud you can read it in their books and you hear it implied in a lot of their communication and it's unfortunate but they communicate in such a way that all women are victims and all men are guilty. And this is a huge, huge problem within biblical counseling. And I hope that what I'm saying here will will move that accent mark back to the middle. And again, it's not about blaming either one. It's about starting in a bibliocentric spot so that you can discern what the truth is and help the individual cases according to what they need exactly, but not because of some presupposition that, that gives you a starting point, uh, an inequitable starting point. And so, honestly, in order to help a couple, I want to give you four basic questions that you can ask, and depending on the skill level of the counselor will determine as to what happens next after you ask these questions. But if someone comes to you, and typically it'll just be one person coming to you with a marriage problem, sometimes both of them will come. But a lot of times it's just one. One of the questions, maybe the first question you would ask, is two words. What happened? What happened? Now, if you are an overreactor, if you have a lack of discernment, if you don't have, if you're not competent at this time, or if you have a lack of courage, uh, you're going to have a hard time helping this person. Because if you ask the question, what happened, and you're not able, you don't have the skill level to to bring it to them, then that question is a very bad question. But if you can't help them in the first place, you shouldn't be asking the question in the first place. But a very basic question is what happened. And you hear as they tell the story. And then the second question that you ask is, well, who did what? And again, you hear the story. You're not immersing yourself in the story. And then as you listen, you're discerning what happened between them because you have the discernment to do that. Then you can see who needs to change, who needs to change how much, who needs to change more. And then a fourth question, the questions are what happened, who did what, who needs to change. And then the fourth question, what is the process of change? And then you lay out a process of change. Uh, 
And so as you listen to these four questions and you think, let's say somebody came and they were sitting in front of you and you ask these four questions here. And if you're not able to walk through this, then you know that you're, you shouldn't be handling this counseling case. And you need to, you need to kindly and lovingly just say that I, I do not have the ability. I do not have the gifting. I am not able to help you at the level in which you need help. If you can't ask these questions and bring competent help, Based on these questions, then you shouldn't be helping this couple. What happened? Who did what? Who needs to change? And then you lay out a process of change that, quite frankly, could go on for a year or two, depending on the situation. There are three things that you need to guard against. I've talked about them in a way, but I want to meet them. I want to speak directly about those at this aspect of of the podcast. There are three things that you need to guard against. One is one sided stories. You got to guard against one sided stories. It's a it's so obvious, but it's like what I was saying earlier is that. We immerse ourselves in the story, and there is a difference between standing on the dock and looking out over the lake and immersing yourself in the lake where you can't see two feet in front of you. And if you don't guard against one side, and I'm not saying being suspicious. I'm not talking about being cynical. I'm not talking about uploading what they're saying with doubt and disbelief and all the things that bad counselors do. I'm just saying guard yourself against one-sided stories because there's another side of the story, and you have to listen to both sides. And then what flows out of that, the second thing that you need to guard against, is this idea that one is innocent and, and one is guilty. If that is your perspective, like you heard the one-sided story, and so this person is innocent and this person is guilty— and you're not able to discern and be able to get into the uh, the contours of that, then you're not going to be able to help this couple. But this is what I see so many times. And I'll hear count, biblical counselors will come to me and they'll share one side of the story and they will share it in such a way that the other person is pronounced guilty and they have never talked to this person at all. And so you want to guard against one-sided stories. You want to guard against this idea that one is completely innocent and one is completely guilty. And that's how I led the podcast. Remember what I, I, I said, newsflash, common sense, biblical uh, teaching is that both people in these longstanding dust-ups that goes on within a marriage, that both of them are culpable to varying degrees. And then the third thing you want to guard against is confusing sympathy and empathy. Now, I have an article on our website. It's been well-read. It's been well-shared. Maybe one of the more popular articles on our website about sympathy and empathy, and it is linked here, and I would just appeal to you, if you have not read that or listened to that podcast, I would appeal to you to do so. But to describe, and I won't get into it here, but I'll just briefly mention, uh, empathy is when you jump into the problem. What I've been saying earlier, empathy is when you jump in the lake. That is bad. The words empathy and sympathy are about the preposition. 
Empathy is in. You jump in the problem. And if you jump in the lake, you jump in the quicksand, you jump in the ocean, you're going to drown with the person. Empathy is bad. Sympathy, the preposition, is with. You're with them, but you're not jumping in. You're standing on the dock, and you're, you're throwing a life preserver tied to a rope. You're standing on the boat. Uh, you're standing outside the quicksand. You're with them, but you're not in it with them. And that is important that you understand the difference. And I walked through that in, that in this article about sympathy and empathy, which you can find in these show notes. And I would appeal to you uh, to read that if you, happen, uh, if you haven't yet. So guard against one-sided stories. Guard against one being innocent, one being guilty. Guard against confusing sympathy with empathy. This is episode 279, the problem with overly blaming men for relationship problems. Before I wrap up, i got a, a couple of minutes here. I want to ask you a, a couple of questions. There's more here in the call to action, and you can work through all of them as you have time. Regardless of the need of the person in front of you, are you more apt to show empathy or sympathy? And then explain your answer. And so that's question number one. When you hear a story, are you more apt to show empathy or sympathy? It takes a lot of courage to show sympathy. It's weak to show empathy. You'll hear the one-sided story, you'll jump in the lake with them, and both of you will drown. And this is a huge problem. But at this level of counseling that I'm talking about, long-standing marriage problems, you have to be sympathetic, not empathetic. You have to be courageous. Again, not being harsh, not being unkind, not being short-tempered, not cutting them off, but yet you want to give them the truth of God's Word in redemptive ways. Episode 279, Don't Swing the Pendulum, one way or the other. Counsel them biblically. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.